Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. In today's episode, I interview Megan Capricio, a femtech leader in Australia, land down under. Femtech is international, y'all. Megan is the chapter director for Femtech Collective in Australia. If you haven't heard about Femtech Collective, you should definitely check out their website, femtechcollective.com. They have a super active Slack channel that you can join with Femtech leaders from around the world. Super awesome. Megan is leading the charge for this organization in Australia. So we are going to learn in her interview about what women's health and wellness is like in the land down under. This episode turned into something really cool, which was a brainstorming session where um, Megan and I just kept coming up with different ideas for the femtech industry. I think you're going to get really excited by some of the ideas. And one of them, Megan actually moved forward with the idea. And um, we are going to ask all of our listeners to participate in it. So listen to the interview. And at the end, I'll let you know uh, what Megan moved forward on and how you can get involved. Enjoy. Megan, what time is it there? It, it's 9.04 a.m. on Thursday. Oh I'm, I'm calling from the future. <laughs> You're in the future. Oh, my gosh. It's already tomorrow there. When, what city are you in in Australia? I'm in Sydney, Australia. Sydney. How long have you been there? It's a bit of a great um, I've been here five years. My anniversary was just a few months ago. And where are you from originally? So I'm originally from California, Huntington Beach. Um, but I came out here in 2015 to do a master's at the University of Sydney and just got reeled in, never left. Oh my gosh, what's your master's in? Yeah, so I actually came to do a master's of international relations. Um, and I was doing it during the 2016 presidential campaign and felt it was probably best not to do that masters in the U S um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was great. It was a really great um, masters to do. I did it through um, a feminist lens. So a lot of my mm. research was done on how women in politics are perceived and their safety and um, how, what that says for women on the global stage um, it was great. It was a great experience. And I ended up working at the university for a long time after that. Oh yeah. That's awesome. And when did you get into femtech? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um, so I started realizing, especially through my research that, um, that women are probably not going to be considered, um, as strongly, especially with their health. Um, if, if men around the world are the main source of leadership. So I kept in every essay I was writing, I kept coming back to this question of, okay, if men are ruling most of the countries, most of the top businesses, 
There's no way that in a time of crisis, like war or genocide or natural disaster, that any global leader is going to immediately think like, oh, we need 100,000 tampons or Mm -hmm. there's going to be 40,000 women going through menopause. Like there's no way (laughs) that's ever going to be a main like thing to consider because they haven't experienced it. It's not the main concern. Yeah. Um, so I started getting a bit more into women's health and understanding how that impacts politics um, and women's agency and kept coming back to the idea that technology is really going to be the thing that fills the gap where governments aren't supporting women. Um, and reached out to the Femtech Collective, um, which I'm now the city ambassador for, um, and so Nicole is our Nicole Dahlstrom is our CEO, and I asked her when they would be coming out to Australia to have an Australia branch, and they said, "Well, we have no plans to come to Australia, but if you want to start the branch, go for it." <laughs> um, so that was what nearly nine months ago, um, and Femtech is really, really thriving here. It's getting the ball rolling. Um, we're just the a bit behind compared to the rest of the world. So I'm hoping to keep pushing it forward over the next few years. Tell our listeners your uh, reference for how you tell, describe how Australia is kind of behind. Oh, um, so I had a, I was telling Brittany that I had a call with Nicole um, from the Femtech Collective. I was trying to describe to her how we're a bit behind, like, you know, 90s music is really popular still. And I was like, okay, just listen. Lizzo only got here like six to nine months ago. And there was a huge shock over the like phone. <laughs> like, what? Um, but it's a great frame of reference. It is. It is. It puts it in a context for everybody. So, so Australia is like a little bit behind on the new things. And so, you know, um, you're leading the charge there with Femtech Collective. Um, what what are some of those initiatives? What are you doing with Femtech Collective in Australia? Yeah, um, so we are a bit behind, it's, it's just, especially as far as how many companies there are that exist within the Femtech space. Um, I do see it as advantageous in a way because um, we can kind of learn from the mistakes and the the best case and worst case practices that are happening around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it would be great to have this technology to be able to support women, you know, more prevalent. Um, so the main focus is where we're focusing on currently. Um, one is just a massive awareness. Um, many people just don't know that this is a category of tech that they can get involved in, like dedicate their careers to or, or create companies in. They assume that women have this support, mm-hmm. um, but women know that they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's also a coming to terms of um, what what are we not complaining about? Like, what do we just mm-hmm. accept because that's just how it works and we don't want to stand out or we don't want to get, um, you know, sidestepped for a promotion or what have you. Um, but there's so many things that technology can help with Um, to make our lives a little easier. And so those are the things we're really trying to, one, create awareness for, but also isolate where innovation and technology can um, support women in this space. Um, So you're seeing a lot of this, especially now with, um, I think, the 
the term going around is unprecedented times. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> tele, like telehealth is like a huge one, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that can help women, um, working women or women going through um, various stages of their life. That is a simple solution. Um, but there's so much innovation that can um, be pushed forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other ones is my personal goals is one, um, just getting more allies from all genders. Yeah. Sometimes this becomes a place that is very female centric um, because female females are the end user for the mm-hmm. main, for the most part. Um, but really putting the president that like, Supporting women and having healthy women is essentially create a healthier society. Like even if you are not the direct yes, user, preach. you're supporting. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really like 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 healthy women means healthy moms, which means healthy babies, which means healthy world leaders, which unless yes. you're a mom that's not, or even if you're a woman that's um doesn't choose to have women or can't have or sorry, doesn't choose to have children or can't have children. Um, the value of, of women being healthy is proven to like reverberate through society. Yeah. So it's a big, big like thing for me to make sure that it's not just women at our events or in these spaces because men, one, have the power and the agency to make a difference, but also like it affects them as well. Yes. Yes. Um, we had a uh, Tony Morrison on here a few episodes ago and he's a male founder of a femtech company. And he said like, he is always mm. getting asked, like, do you have a female co-founder? And he, and we, I got so heated up in that episode. Cause I was like, why is it so crazy for a man to care about women's health? Like how is, why and yeah. how is that so absurd? <laughs> you know, everyone should care. Yeah. It is interesting because I think it's almost an innate an innate thing because it's like you don't understand what my reality mm-hmm. is or as, as a man, but it only, like that's really a poor way to come up, come about it because these there's, you know, neuroscientists or neurosurgeons who have never had head traumas or there's like, Oh my God. I love know, that. It's, it, <laughs> there, there's a lot of, it's really Yes, men are not going to understand the social like pressure um, that our health is affected through that. There's mm-hmm. no way for them to understand that. But for them to be involved in our health and to um, contribute to it and to you know open companies and they contribute to the technology, um, it would be silly for us to exclude them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more that we make it an exclusive thing, um, the more that femtech or feminism or mm-hmm. women or what have you, the different groups is always going to be like the other, mm-hmm. uh, always going to be second, right? And that's that's ultimately not anyone's goal. <laughs> no. So it's it's so important for him or for people like him to be opening these, yeah. um, establishing these companies, um, and also just being like an example for other men, mm-hmm. <laughs> other, other students, um, you know, getting computer science degrees or getting um, health degrees, that this is an option and not a quote unquote woman's issue. That's right. 
What, you know, I'm so grateful you're a American transplant in Australia, so you can even give a little comparison, (laughs) right? But what is the um, cultural, you know, awareness or cultural attitude in Australia when, like, do people talk about periods there? Is that cool? Is that taboo? Is that weird? How about, like, do people know what a vulva is versus a vagina? Do they even say those words? Mm. Do do they have breasts on TV like they do in France? Like, tell me more about the culture in Australia and in regards to women. Yeah, um, I would say it's quite on par with the U.S. Mm. One, there was one a bit of culture shock because uh, so I came to study um, at first, and I was also doing a bit of teaching. Um, I was teaching ESL to refugees at the university for a bit. And because they're coming to Australia and I have an American accent, um, there was obviously some things that didn't translate translate perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I saw that was really interesting is um, Australians call periods, like the punctuation at the end of a sentence, a full stop. So every time I said, yeah, that's the sentence period, I would get a giggle because that <laughs> period in the U S or in Australia is your monthly cycle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like probably the only difference. And I still find myself, um, stopping when I use that terminology. Um, but because they know I'm American, it's not, yeah, it's not completely off base. Mm-hmm. Um, do Australians know what a vulva is and do they talk about periods naturally? Um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think, and, and like those spaces that I run in do, but I don't think they're at any more ahead than the U S mm-hmm. is. Um, and there's definitely, there's definitely still, like senses of like women having shame for it um, mm-hmm. and um, not wanting to openly talk about it or like sending the sneaky tampon across the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's still on par with the U S. Okay. Um, is it, I think Australians can be a bit less sensitive than, um, Americans sometimes mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of sensitive to how gross periods are. Quote, you mm-hmm. can't see my air quotes right now, yeah. um, but that was sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would hope that Australia gets there a bit faster. Um, yeah. But I would, I find that I feel comfortable here talking about my period, but yeah. I'm, you and I are different species. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know men. There's a there's only a few other women in my life, and they're all in the femtech team, of which they say clitoris and vagina as much as I do. But uh, we are we are definitely outliers in the community. Um, yeah. And what about um, like sex? Is sexual wellness something that people talk about? Because I'm you know recording here mm-hmm. in Houston, Texas, where um, the city is pretty pretty woke. But if you leave the city limits, yeah. it's pretty conservative. There's no sex ed. It's abstinence only, Jesus only. So, like, what about sexual wellness in Australia? Yeah. Do you want to know a really cool fun fact? Of course. Um, so, you know, um, 
when you're growing up as a teenager and it was time to get your cervical cancer shots um, in the U.S. Yep. And I, I, I know a lot of, actually, I hope this is more mainstream. I know when I was growing up in high school, if there was a time where you had to start getting them. Mm-hmm. And it was a very female thing. It's an like, HPV vaccine. Yep. HPV vaccine for yeah. women. Yeah. And I remember like my mom, who's a nurse, trying to get my younger brother to get it. And he was like, I don't understand why I have to get this. Um, so everyone in Australia gets them. And cervical cancer in Australia is, is nearly eradicated. Whoa. Like in the, I think, that, like few years, it'll be completely like non-existent because everyone there, men and women were vaccinated. So women and men are both vaccinated Mm -hmm. and, um, they're so precise with it that every time that you get a, um, a non, what is the terminology I'm blanking Mm -hmm. when your pap smear is abnormal, um, if you do not go for a checkup in the next six to 12 months, the department of health actually personally gives you a letter to make sure you go back to your specialist. Wow. Like, so they're very, very tight with it. So I, as far as sexual wellness in that respect, Mm -hmm. like it's so amazing. Um, as far as the common, um, chatter about it, um, I think it's still relatively the same, um, but access to contraception is way more affordable and accessible just because mm-hmm. of our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So like going to your GP and requesting the pill or an IUD or what have you um, is claimed on Medicare and it's mostly free from my understanding. I don't, I'm unfortunately don't get Medicare at this stage, um, but pharmacies and prescriptions are very cheap. Um, it just allows everyone to have better sexual, um, health and wellness. Um, I would like the chatter about it to be like much more open. Um, not that it's closed off. Um, but it's not as, and and it may be because it's just something that's commonplace for them Mm -hmm. to be safe. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I still would like maybe the world (laughs) entirely (laughs) not in Australia to be able to just talk about these things as if it was any other philosophy or thought project. Yeah. You know, it's, it's your body and we're meant to like tuck it away um, and like whisper about it with like only your girlfriends, which makes no sense. Like, mm-hmm. like you should be able to talk about it with mixed company um, to get a full like perspective from everyone in the room. Yeah. Um, and also just to keep people in check, like keep your, you know, Hold your friends accountable. (laughs) Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, culturally, Australia is pretty much very similar to the United States. But in terms of an institutional, you know, healthcare system, it's very different. And that accessibility allows for women to be more empowered in their health there. Yeah, I think it definitely does. So I know that you, um, you know, you work with some femtech startups in Australia. Can you tell us about some of them? Yeah, um, so there's there's not a ton of femtech startups in um, Australia at this stage. And so with the Femtech Collective, 
um, it's really a great experience because I get to work with, um, with all of them in different levels. Um, so of the few that are popping up that are really gaining traction, especially in, um, which is a, a quote unquote unprecedented times again, <laughs> um, are early health companies, um, and some box subscription companies. So one I'm really into right now, it's called kin K I N. Um, so they're a box sub- subscription company. Think of like shave club, but for contraception, um, so they partner with pharmacies to be able to get your pill delivered to you, which is amazing. Do you, <laughs> um, do y'all, so, uh, do you, ha- what do, was that? do y'all have NERCs in Australia and URX? Oh, you know what? I've heard of them. I haven't, um, seen them here. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Perfect, right. Yeah, I mean that's because that's what I have. It's it's huge company um, that they do at home delivery of your pill. We also interviewed another founder, Pandia Health, that does that as well, direct to consumer pill delivery. So it's really interesting. We're literally living out the Lizzo example, where you're like, guess what? You can have your pill delivered. And I was like, damn, I've had that been done for like two years now. (laughs) I know it's wild. Hey, I mean, and it may be something. Even if I do a quick search, I'm not seeing much come up. Um, maybe some in the north, but honestly, what comes up is order food online when I type in nurse. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, it's it's an amazing company, and you, like as you know, as the services, and because it wasn't something that was established, um, it was only established a few months ago. They've seen a skyrocket in um, users because mm-hmm. of COVID and no one wants to go to pharmacy. Um, so it, it's interesting. Like you said that it's something that is exists in other places, mm-hmm. but we're kind of establishing it here. Um, and we just need this a bit more of this innovation and technology to, you know, support us. I um, wonder and if I don't, sorry, go ahead, Megan. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say it. Of course it's, it's a difference in healthcare mm. and how that plays with our own pers- how we address our own personal health, um, as well as the startup community and investment and whatnot. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that like, yeah, I'm frothing over this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but it's just a thought like why, yeah why aren't these U S companies coming to Australia? You know, is that like a, an issue between, you know, healthcare systems and it's just too hard to change countries and systems or like, why are we not expanding to Australia? I'm not, so I don't know what NERC's business model is. Um, as in, are they partnering with American pharmacies or the, pharmaceutical company itself mm. or where they're actually getting like I, the partnership, I would think that the partnership would be different if they existed in a country that had yes. a socialized healthcare. That's right. That's um, right. Huh. But it doesn't mean that it can't exist. Obviously like kin found a way to make it exist in the market. Um, but maybe 
I don't know. Maybe they're finding it more valuable to stay within the U.S. I'm yeah. not sure. I'd have to do a bit more research. Yeah. Well, you know, Amina from Fermata in Tokyo, one of their initiatives, yeah. their one of their initiatives is like bringing products into Japan. So instead of like um, yeah. growing from within, they're importing. You know. Um, and so oh, I wonder what could be, I'm just, I'm literally just brainstorming with you now we're on a podcast, but I'm like, if we had a whiteboard, <laughs> there would be notes on it. <laughs> so I'm thinking yeah. like, what if like you femtech collective in Australia, like one of the goals could potentially could be like importing these technologies and supporting partnerships mm-hmm. with the local, you know, organizations, because I'm like, that blows my mind that, that there yeah. are boundaries to a successful company in the States. Um, and there's all these women in Australia that could really, really use it, you know, and um, just wonder what, what, what could be ha- happening there with a, I'm just, you know, opportunistic person thinking about that. No, but, no it's interesting. Um, I know only because I've gone through the grinding immigration mm. and the, process here um there is a there is a um sense of aussies want aussies aussie companies first and aussie workers first Mm -hmm. you know just what the u.s does um but it's it's not at all saying that like amazon or google or facebook don't exist here Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course they do yeah um but that being said like netflix didn't get here until March of 2015. <laughs> so, you missed so but, many shows. <laughs> I know it was like the first, I was only here maybe three months before they launched here, but I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> My God. But that, is that is an interesting thought because hmm. it, if the problem is that, that there's not enough resources or investment here, mm-hmm. why why do we need ourselves to the resources here? Why can't we import from um, the U.S. and still be able to give Aussies jobs um, in the same way, but the technology just didn't originate from here? Yeah. Interesting. Well, I see a survey (laughs) in our near future surveying U.S. femtech companies that are, you know, further, further enough along that they're generating a lot of revenue and like surveying them. Like, why aren't you not in Australia? Is it A, you never yeah. thought about it, B, you know, healthcare issues, C, government, like, what is it, yeah. you know? Um, cool, yeah. cool. What are, um, yeah. what are, what's one other company in Australia that's uh, working on femtech? Yeah, so there's a couple um, in the telehealth space that I think are really interesting. Um, one that I really like is called Kaya. Um, if anyone's wanting to look, look that up, that's C-A-I-A. Um, it's actually an American founder, but she lives here now. Um, and the company is a B2B2C product. So they create partnerships with big firms, um, and companies to be able to provide a a telehealth service on top of the traditional, um, Medicare that women have. So it's essentially for women who are working, who need, who are like, say, running to the office and don't have time to like check the, their kids' um, rash in the back seat. They can use the tele service um, to be able to have on-demand um, 
expert advice uh, to be able to better fit into their schedule. Hmm. Um, it also helps with different things just to have experts um, in this way to be able to fit to your schedule. But also, um, I think maybe the whole process of booking in uh, the appointments, requesting to leave work at a certain time, mm-hmm. I have to like work that time in lieu. Um, do you have to pick your kid up from daycare or whatever? The whole process is kind of like shrunk when you have a telehealth service. Oh yeah. Um, and they have experts ranging from, you know, a wide array of specialists. And it's a really interesting concept that I'm, I'm hoping it goes global at some point. Again, it would have to be something that is specific to the country, depending on, mm-hmm. um, what they're after. Um, but I think it's going to really take off here. I'm really excited to know where they're going. They're kind of beta testing the service in, I think it's three or four major companies here um, to be able to like provide the service for, you know, thousands of employees. Um, it's an amazing thing. And just knowing like how difficult it is for moms to be able, <laughs> especially working moms to be able to um, have this extra support. Medicare is great, but it's, it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And there's a, there's a similar service. Um, it's called Wellfem. Um, it's also telehealth, but it's it's specific for supporting women going through menopause. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. So it's talking about what to expect and certain taboos, and you know, a lot of because a lot of menopause, especially in femtech, there's such a gap still mm-hmm. um, of the technology coming out to support women. Um, a lot of women don't ask their GPs of like when they should start expecting to go through menopause and what happens. And, um, they kind of just get hushed aside and think that maybe they have some abnormalities when, you know, most bodies like their normal cycle through quote unquote life, Mm -hmm. um, is, is normal. Everybody is very different. Um, so be, to be able to have that service on demand is going to be great for women, especially in Australia where we have a lot of um, regional areas that don't have uh, maybe direct contact to metropolitan cities and it might take hours or so to access your GP. This kind of service would be so helpful for those communities and especially like women living on farms and whatnot mm-hmm. um, to have the support um, and feel like there's a community around them. Yeah. You know, I'm still waiting to see consumer products for menopause. I um, obviously am drowning in femtech. I am looking at stuff every day and I I have seen several like menopause support, like communities or information uh, websites Mm -hmm. or like telehealth, like you're talking about, but I'm still not seeing like, here's how to treat menopause. That isn't just a hormone. Right. Um, one of our interns at Femtech Focus, she's a little badass. Her name's Mariana. Giving you a shout out, girlfriend. She's at University of Houston, <laughs> and she's going through. She's going to do a summer accelerator at University of Houston, and her product is called uh, Pause. Right now, it's an idea, but it's essentially like a, a bracelet that has a cooling effect. So when women have a heat flash, they can like press it, and it you know 
I don't know what they're going to do. I, you know, it's still an idea, but I'm like, yes, queen, go for it. Because I still don't see any consumer products for menopause. Yeah. I, I have been trying to theorize about this. Like, is it because most entrepreneurs in this space haven't endured um, Mm. menopause yet? Or is it because the stigma is so strong around menopause? Because it it is something that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and people that work in this space, they know how to have a period. Therefore, we have a hundred period tracking apps. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but like menopause is still Mm. kind of like, like this dark thing, like ominous thing we don't really know about. Mm -hmm. And I was even reading some research actually this week about how like the, the gray cloud they put over menopause that is meant to be like terrible. And it's meant to be like, like, like a very terrible experience for women is actually just kind of socially constructed. Mm -hmm. And yes, some women don't have a great time. Um, but it also like doesn't have to be as bad as like the media makes it out to be. Wow. And it could be even better if you have technology to support you mm-hmm. um, and you don't want to be going through it alone. Um, but it's, I would be interested to see, I mean, pause sounds like an amazing technology. I can't wait for her to get an MVP for that. Yeah. Um, but there's so many different things and, and maybe it's cause there's a bit of overlap. Like if, you know, if there's a bit of like, pelvic floor um mm. issues that happen during menopause maybe that already that stuff already exists in other forms but mm-hmm. maybe they need to talk with that femtech to people also going through menopause that experience it then mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i don't know i don't, I don't know i, I do don't know gap in the market and i'm hoping that we start to direct a bit more of our innovation towards that space. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, I've never talked about menopause any more in my life than I have while doing this podcast. And, you know, um, my lovely mom is listening to this podcast and she texted me the other day that she went through menopause five years ago. And she's like, should I have told you that? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) But like, you know, it's in, I mean, I never asked her. She never told me. And so it's like, wow, even between this like radical feminist, uh, femtech pioneer daughter, like the mom never told her that she went through menopause, right? Mm. Like even within the family unit, it's like not talked about, right? And I don't, I doubt that my family is unique in that sense, right? So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um. What about yeah. New, what about New Zealand? Do you know anything about what's going on over there? Are you are you am I being a typical American thinking that you guys <laughs> <laughs> work together closely or what? Um, as far as femtech there, there's there's not a ton that's different than Australia. Um, they have a badass female prime minister right now. Oh, I'm I'm girl crushing her <laughs> from Texas so hard. Um, Spenda is amazing. She is either still in Australia right now or has recently left. She's helping um, She's helping us eradicate COVID because they have already eradicated it from their country. <laughs> I love her. So what am I doing here in Texas? What am I doing? Um, she is an amazing person um, and would be someone that would fully support them. Um, the market in general in New Zealand is tiny. Mm-hmm. They just, just, there's 
it's just a small country. Yeah. Um, but it's not that it can't exist. It just tends to be that a lot of products are made more central and then exported there. Yeah. Um, but as, that's probably as far as my knowledge base goes yeah. for New Zealand. Specifically. Yeah, but at, at least their leader yeah. is is woke and um, willing to talk about it. Didn't she like breastfeed in public while in office? She had a baby during an office. Her partner is super supportive and like the full time dad. Wow, and she yeah she breastfed in Parliament, and she's just a beacon of just stability that I wish we had in the U S (laughs) yeah, because Um, can you imagine if the president of the U S was breastfeeding in the press conference, you know, I mean like what that would provide to the femtech community in terms of talking about it, (laughs) you know? Wow. I know it's, it's, I mean, now you're thinking, I'm thinking that maybe I need to get her on our team. I don't know how I'm going to do that. (laughs) Um, I'll let you know. Check Anything's in possible. In here, so. Anything is possible. Let's get yeah. her. Let's get her. What's her name? What's her first name again? Jacinda. Jacinda, get on our podcast. Yeah. Join our team. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, this has been a really awesome conversation. We have two more questions for you that our listeners love the answers to. So one of them is. We have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen, but they don't know where to start or what to build in femtech. What are areas in femtech that you think still need innovating? Yeah, um, I mean, we've talked about so much. I know we have. (laughs) And I think it's an interesting one. I, I wish people would get more amped on menopause. So maybe that's that's definitely one to start. Um, another one is, um, really just re-innovating medical devices that already exist. Mm. (laughs) Um, so there's a lot of medical devices, um, and pharmaceuticals, um, that exist that were purely tested on men. Um, so I would love like some sort of femtech run through of all of these devices that need to be re-clinically trialed on women or re-innovated to suit women um, because that right there would save so many women's lives, would mm. bring them so much more comfort. Um, and it's a great way to start, right? Like yes. it's allowing you to have a better understanding of the industry, but yep. also there's a basis for it where you, you don't have to come up with like a brand new idea from the get-go. So it's, there's, you're feeding off of something that exists, but not best. Oh. <laughs> so I think that's actually a really good starting point, especially for like um, young researchers. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. <laughs> All right. I'm already having another idea. This is just turning into a whiteboard podcast brainstorm. So <laughs> we should have like an ideas board. Like we should go through like, here's when this med device was made. And here's the last time it was innovated, you know, like literally just have a list of like, here's the shit that probably could be updated. Y'all go for it. Like you do it, you know, like here, here, here's the list, you know? Exactly. I know there needs to be a database of this information. Yes. All the data. Oh man. Okay. Sorry. Getting off track. I'm like, let's build it. Um, like I need any other projects in my life, but I'm all about it. Um, I can, I can find endless hours to work on femtech. 
And then our, our last question is, what do you think femtech as an industry as a whole needs the most right now? Uh, needs the most. Um, I think we need, I think if there was more, we keep coming back to the understanding that like awareness, awareness, awareness. I wonder if it needs to be more strategic in that sense. Mm. Like we want awareness that not only that this is important, that like we should invest in this, but also to, to ensure that like more passionate people are coming to this space. Mm -hmm. I've never met an apathetic person that works in femtech. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> more people you get to this space, like if they're going to be enthusiastic about the impact they're making. And the, if you have like go getters, mm -hmm. that means investment will come. That means quality products will come. Um, so I hate to say awareness as a whole, but it mm -hmm. needs to be like more targeted, right? It needs to be in a way that draws people in, draws investment in, draws, draws it in a way that is not solely for the consumer. Like mm -hmm. we do, femtech companies do really well in their marketing to consumer, but mm -hmm. on the other end, like actually working in the company and that stuff, um, we need, we need to be able to attract those resources to be able to support the customer better. Totally. Yeah. You know, we were talking before this podcast started about, um, you know, I want to create a database of femtech investors. And if I create a database yeah. of investors that said they were femtech investors, we'd probably have two names, right? Um, Fermata yeah. and uh, Portfolia. But if yeah. I looked at all of the healthcare, health IT, med device, consumer product investors that had at least one product in their portfolio that was femtech, and if I enlightened this investor that, hey, you are actually a femtech investor, all of a sudden that yeah. list gets really, really long. So it's almost like awareness in terms of like helping people know what they are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> No, it's, it's really true. There's a strange disconnect of like, like me, me almost informing people that they are in femtech. Yes, <laughs> like yeah. it, it, because it's such a new term and a new like mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. People for realize that they just like think it's a health health tech or they think it's just a new technology to help people, um, but they don't realize the impact it's having on women. Yes, and as even as like in a VC or an investor, like that's advantageous for them as much as it is. Yes. For the person. It's a gift so, to enlighten them. It's a gift. It's not a box that we're in fact, we're opening it for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Take a box. <laughs> yeah. So it is a constant reeducation and awareness project to just be chatting about it all the time, but it's good things like this, like this podcast, you could broadcast it. Mm -hmm. Um, globally and it's an easy resource uh, but it just needs to be we just need to have more of these resources to get to the right people yeah and I love what you said about you've never met an apathetic femtech leader we uh, had our first femtech alliance meeting last week which is uh, invite I invited the seven leaders of the seven femtech organizations that I know of in the world we had this amazing call. It was like everyone was on different time zones. Some people were going to bed. Some people just woke up. It was crazy. And I got off, we got off the call and I texted Nicole, your partner from Femtech Collective. And I said, yeah. um, is it, is it wrong of me to be a little nervous that we have 
we're essentially like seven psychos because we're all <laughs> totally obsessed with Femtech and we're like all working three jobs to empower Femtech. And I'm going to try to corral these people. <laughs> I was like, should I be nervous? I feel a little nervous. And she's like, no, no, no. We're all on the same mission. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good energy. Yeah. I think, I don't think we can be scared. I think other people should be scared of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Watch out. Watch out, Silicon Valley. There's going to be Femtech Valley coming to Netflix in, in Australia as well. Don't worry. <laughs> Man. Well, this has been so much fun, Megan. Thank you so much for your time today. And um, I hope the future treats you well. Um, can't wait to get to tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Talk to you soon, Megan. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Megan Capricio of Femtech Collective in Australia. Again, you can check out Femtech Collective at femtechcollective.com. They have a really amazing Slack channel. You can get on the Slack channel through their website. And the idea that Megan actually moved forward with after we recorded the interview was trying to come up with a list of what needs to be reanalyzed, reevaluated, rebuilt for women. And so that idea about having this board about here's things that needs to be approved, go on and do it. Megan actually has created a public Google uh, sheet for everybody to contribute to. Not only contribute to, but also have ideas and, and move forward with it. Because devices, there's technology, there's treatments, pharmaceuticals, where women were excluded from the clinical trials. And so women need to be tested on these things to ensure our safety and to make improvements. So finding the gaps is super important, and this list is going to help us do that. And it's going to spark innovation in femtech. Sometimes young, passionate innovators just need a place to start, and this is going to be a great resource for that. The way you can find the document either to contribute and or move forward with improving one of these things is by following Femtech Focus on social media. If you follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, we are going to put in our description a link to this document so that everyone has access to it. Again, that's on our social media at Femtech Focus. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, rate, review us. And let us know what you want to hear about. Shoot us a DM on social media and let us know if there's a specific person. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one who's like, I need to be on this podcast. Shoot us a message, introduce yourself, and let us know what kind of topics you want us to cover on Femtech Focus Podcast. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. Mm-hmm.